lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand. There we go. Here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Back after a long weekend. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre at the bottom of this hour. Blaze TV contributor Eric July is going to join us. He is attempting to do something about flailing and, fa- and failing woke-tainment. And it's a true grassroots entrepreneurial effort. We look forward to discussing that with Eric here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, for fake news or not, I'm going to walk you through polling. How to judge a fake and a fraud who's believable, who is not looking at data from the last election Uh, from my own personal files. One of the things we always try to help you do and become on this show is a smarter consumer of information. And we will get into that. Uh, We'll do lies, damned lies and the current state of public polling for fake news or not coming up next hour. And then for Pop Culture Tuesday, I I want to discuss and uh, spoilers will be a will abound there is no way to discuss this without spoilers so i'm warning you now so we got a mini tradition in our in our family is you know sometime in mid to late august right before football season hits uh i i do my take one for the team movie like i remember we did the notebook one year we did the astronaut's wife another year all right and it's usually where i'll just say to the wife anything at the movie theater you want to see whatever it is no matter how chicky i'm in we're in. This is like the Herschel Walker of husband-wife deals, the the trade. You yeah. go to one chick flick, and then you get like four months of football. True. It is, but it's a pretty good deal for her because she likes football a lot too, though. Yeah, but I hear you. Okay. Plus, she gets pretty much anything she wants the other eight months out of the year. <laughs> right. So there's that. Okay. So I, I, did, I, I did my uh, take one for the team flick over the weekend, and I went and saw where the crawdads sing. And I thought I was just going to go in for a chick flick. I had no idea. I was watch- I was going in for subversive culture war entertainment. You really knew nothing about the movie? I knew nothing about the movie, knew nothing about the book. I just knew it was some kind of murder mystery. That's all that I knew. All right. Uh, we will discuss this for Pop Culture Tuesday uh, coming up. Uh, and, and when I mentioned something about this on my Facebook page, oh boy, did the comments light up. All right. I so we will discuss it to, for Pop Culture Tuesday here towards the end of the show. You guys know that when we're gone for a bit or take a long weekend like we just did, and I want to say thank you. Um, you know, my father in law, Bob, actually passed away in May, and we held off having the military funeral until now just to try to get as much family here uh, as we possibly could. And it was a tremendous uh, experience. Uh, it was just very honoring. I don't know how else to put it. It was just, it, it was, it, you felt humbled to be a part of such an event and uh, the military folks did a great job Um, our local uh, veterans cemetery did a phenomenal job it was just very very well done and i've gotten a ton of positive and notes and sympathetic condolences from so many of you in the audience and i just could not possibly answer them all so i just wanted to say thank you guys very much for that and you know I, i don't intend for this to happen it just tends to happen a lot when we're gone for a while I usually come back with like, hey, I thought of something, you know, and these these kinds of things happen in, in one of two venues, a in the shower, one of the few times a day that I am quiet uh, and then B, 
um, when we've been gone for a while and I don't have to plan a day-to-day show. And so my mind just cut, you know, takes a step back and looks at big picture things. And while I was gone, I want you guys, tell me what you think. Okay. I'm going to spring this on you guys. I have an idea for a, for a new novel. Okay. I'm, and, and this is the idea I came up with. I'm thinking about, it's a story about a high ranking bureaucrat that finds out shortly after a de- designer virus causes a global pandemic that it was his funding that actually created it, right? So he's he's on one stream of thought where he's given honest information to the public. Then he finds out once this thing starts to go global that the, 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 the design of this virus can be traced back to him now, that it was his funding that actually helped to create this virus causing this global pandemic. And, 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 and as I thought about fleshing this story out, I thought maybe it needed to be a trilogy. Um, and so that's the discovery as you know, the, the cliffhanger in book one, as he finds out, oh, wait, and you think this guy's the hero at first. And then you find out, oh, wait, uh, he's the one that created it. And now how is he going to respond? And that brings us to book two. In book two, instead of coming clean about it, he and his killer virus creating associates, they actually conspire further to ward off all successful treatments in the pandemic because they've decided that they can't let this crisis go to waste. Uh, and so they want to make sure that nothing is allowed to market until their experimental vaccines that came from the same reckless research that created the virus, by the way, until those are prepped for the market. And you might be thinking, all right, well, I mean, they can't enforce this on their own, Steve. Who would do this for them? It turns out they're shocked to learn that global governments cynically line up and agree to enforce this on their people. So like no treatments at all. Nothing can be allowed to treat this virus at all. You just either can live with it or die until these experimental products are ready to go to market. And they were shocked to find out that the global governments around the world were cynically willing to enforce this on their people and even promote and demand non-working mitigation efforts to make it appear that they're doing something by promoting things that like don't actually work. Right. Because they realized that they also could not let a good crisis go to waste and that this event could be used as a means to acquire lasting power over their people that they have long coveted. Now, lest you think we're going to go like Return of the Jedi in the final book. In the final chapter, the plotters actually end up getting hoisted from their own petard. There are really no heroes. It's just that the back end of deaths caused by their designer virus, uh, the the mass lockdowns that ensued after its creation, the experimental shots that came from the same research as the designer virus, the, the these deaths become too cumbersome to cover up any longer. The bodies are simply piled up too high, or too high to hide. And so this leads to like unprecedented civil unrest, like on a global scale. And now the and now here and, and this is where it gets really nihilistic and nefarious what ends up happening is that the politicians who cynically aligned with the the the, the plotters at first they now turn on them in order to save their own hides because they're worried about bastille stormings in their country so they actually turn on this conspiracy and the book ends with the very political bodies who aided and abetted the conspiracy, now putting it on trial before the world, but they stay in power and in place because they're actually the ultimate real evil and never give back the ground that they took. What do you think? Is it too dark? Too sinister? Not believable? I mean, the villains seem a little one-dimensional to me, kind of almost like cat-stroking Bond villain types. Um... 
I, I wanted to get some feedback before I began the long work of piecing such a work of fiction together. And after reading through that again, guys, I just, I'm kind of, nah, no, nothing. Indeed. Here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by What Are You Prepared to Do? How many stars are on the United States flag? 103. 103? Yeah. Um, 32. As you probably are already aware, Anthony Fauci is retiring at the end of the year. The formerly highest paid government employee will end his nearly 40-year reign as the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, but not after going on almost three years now in the media spotlight, pushing deadly ideas like lockdowns and masking, pushing treatments that don't work like remdesivir and the jabs, downplaying treatments that do, and demonizing anyone who got in his way. And he's already out there playing preemptively the victim. There is a weird, obsessive, violent, ongoing demonization of you by the right that is hinged on COVID. I just have to ask, if from your perspective, if that kind of attention, that criticism feels qualitatively different to you than previous criticism, if it is coming from a different place, if it is indeed more dangerous than the kind of criticism you've had in the past. Right. Rachel, it's 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 phenomenally 100 percent different. It's it's apples and elephants. What we're dealing with now is just a, 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 a distortion of reality, Rachel. I mean, conspiracy theories, which don't make any sense at all, pushing back on sound public health measures, you know, making it look like trying to save lives is encroaching on people's freedom. What ocean is on the east side of the United States? What ocean? Can I Google it? <laughs> you guys know this. I know this. I don't know this. Moving on, Ditch McConnell drew the ire of many when he provided his forecast for the 2022 midterms. I think that there's probably a greater likelihood to outslip the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Tucker Carlson, your thoughts? It's entirely possible Mitch McConnell doesn't want to retake the Senate because then you'd have to run things. And there's one thing Republican leaders dislike. It's running anything. Much easier to complain on Fox News. What country is the Queen of England from? I'm not a politics guy. I ain't gonna lie. I don't know. I really don't know. Just take a guess. Like, what country is the Queen of England from? Europe. I don't know. I don't know. I just took a guess. What's the capital of the United States? Um, the, um, there's a capital? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, meanwhile, is barnstorming in the middle of his own re-election campaign on behalf of school board candidates across the state of Florida, all the way up to Ohio and Pennsylvania, where he made weekend appearances at rallies for Senate candidate J.D. Vance, as well as gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano, respectively. He made these comments in Pennsylvania. We can't just stand idly by while woke ideology ravages every institution in our society. We must fight the woke in our schools. We must fight the woke in our businesses. We must fight the woke in government agencies. We can never, ever surrender to woke ideology. And I'll tell you this, the state of Florida is where woke goes to die. I'll tell you, 
we, there's maybe no issue that we've led more strongly on in drawing a big fat line in the sand to say that the people of Florida believe that the purpose of our school system should be to educate our kids, not to indoctrinate our kids. And to that end, we've done things like ban critical race theory in our K through 12 schools. We're not going to teach kids to hate our country or to hate each other. We're going to teach real history. We're going to teach them the truth. We're not going to let them impose their ideological agenda on our youth. We've also established a big initiative to promote American civics in our schools. We have a responsibility to make sure that the students that come out of our school system understand what it means to be an American. They need to understand that our rights come from God, not from the government. Congressman Eric Swalwell tweets, It's not like separation of church and state is in the Bill of Rights or anything. That's right. It's not. There's no capital of the Yeah, United literally. Isn't it, is there no capital? Correct. Was that right? <laughs> no. Oh, you guys are UCLA you literally students? go to UCLA. It's, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Donald Trump's campaign has released several statements and email blasts, pimping his son-in-law Jared Kushner's new book detailing his time in the White House. A new NBC poll shows 74% of respondents believe the country is headed in the wrong direction. MSNBC, your thoughts? Yamish, why are people so unhappy? these days. What you see really is on the Democratic side, people that are very, very worried about the direction of this country. They're very worried, especially about former President Trump possibly coming back into power or former President Trump or, or another Republican stealing the election in 2022 or 2024. That same NBC poll asked Republicans if they're supporters of the GOP or just Donald Trump. Back in May, only 34% of respondents said they are a supporter of Trump versus 58% saying they're a supporter of the GOP. In August, 41% of respondents say they're supporters of Trump primarily, and only 50% said they're supporters of the GOP. Who was the first president of the United States? Abraham Lincoln. Another poll, this one from Morning Consult, shows the percentage of young people 18 to 34 years old who identify as liberal is dropping. Back in 2017, young people who identified as liberal was 47%. Now it's just 34%. Can you name the uh, three Kardashian sisters? Uh, Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. Aaron's Razor update. It's just demonic, bro. This is coming to a hospital near you. This is a professor at Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City, Missouri. So whether the parents fully understand it or not, transgender children going through puberty of their own gender is harmful in this special way. So as we've seen, refusing puberty blocking treatment prevents immediate and intense psychological harm. And second, it causes lasting and irreversible physical harm. So we can compare the parents of transgender children opposed to um, physician-recommended treatment to naturalist parents, so parents who misuse traditional or mistrust uh, traditional Western medicine. Regardless of whether these parents have good intentions, these children are often at risk of harm. So in various cases, the courts have ruled that naturalist parents are required to treat their children according to traditional principles of Western medicine. 
Um, not only that, but they're criminally liable if they don't do so. What are the three Kardashian sisters' names? Courtney, Kim, and Chloe. Love is love update. I'm just going to read this tweet from Redux Magazine. The world's youngest transgender model, 10-year-old Noella McMahr, comes from a predominantly transgender household and is the child of a professional trans activist. McMahr allegedly came out at age two and is set to have, quote-unquote, gender surgeries at 16. Chloe, Kim. Courtney. And Courtney. Yeah. Bonus points for the brother? Um, Robert. The Kardashian's brother's name. What? Rob. All of these man-on-the-street clips I've just interspersed randomly throughout the montage, courtesy of YouTuber James Kluke. And finally, Blaze TV's Elijah Schaefer met a couple of trainees. You guys support Ukraine? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. yeah. I feel stupid because someone told me that they banned gay marriage in Ukraine, and I did not know that until today. What are your thoughts on that? It's terrible. It doesn't need to happen. Someone told me today that they weren't letting the, the transgenders leave Ukraine and evacuate at the trans women, and they're making them stay back and fight because they're, they're calling them men. They're, they're misgendering and deadnaming them and making the transgender women fight in the war against the Russians. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, what a trap. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> the way he's dressed. <laughs> the big fish cat. <laughs> that, that, is, that is high quality work there uh, by Elijah. Well done. Aaron's Montage brought to you by my glasses, or at least the people that gave them to me. Our friends over at Better Spectacles who can now give you the same kind of glasses that I have if you like them, or maybe even a cooler pair. And you're thinking, I would love those, Steve, but I have to get dorky frames because I have a problematic prescription or I need bifocals. Well, that's me. I have a problematic prescription too, a little far, a little near. And they were able to outfit me with these handcrafted German engineer Rodenstock eyewear frames. So I know that they can do it for you too. And you already know if you've got just a good old fashioned prescription that they can do that for you as well and they'll do it for you to get you started at 61 percent off that's their introductory offer and they throw in the handcrafted rodenstock eyewear frames for free the frames are free 61 percent off the ghost spec lenses when you go to betterspectacles.com slash steve once more that's betterspectacles.com slash steve let's go to the montage and for a change, there's there's actually a few political things, even though there are some tasty nuggets there, juicy morsels when it comes to the culture war. Uh, something tells me that those are going to be there pretty much every day for time and memoriam. Fair? I, I don't yeah, think I don't think those are probably sadly fair, I, especially looking at the uh, the Gen Zers who yeah. go to UCLA, by the way, one of the highest rated public universities mm -hmm. in America. OK, one of the highest rated public universities in America is UCLA. So they are students there. They know the Kardashians, but they don't know how many stars are on the flag or who the first president was. So, yeah. OK. Those juicy morsels of the culture war are going to be there for the time and memoriam. Yeah, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So there's a couple of, if you don't mind, I'm going to go off script for our show a little bit. Well, it used to actually be on script for our show. It just has been off script the last few years. There's a couple of political matters here that I would, I think we should touch on. Number one, what Tucker Carlson is saying about Ditch McConnell. It's exactly what we have said on this show for many years. It is exactly correct. 
Republicans like McConnell do not want to govern. They have a better life in the minority. One of our mucky mucks here at the Blaze, Gaston Mooney, used to be, I think it was Jim DeMint's chief of staff on Capitol Hill. Used to work, used to help organize the Senate aides with the conservative senators on Capitol Hill. He'll tell you. The only difference for Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn types is they get a bigger office. You trade office space by being in the majority for a lot more headaches because now you have to govern. And since you know you're not going to fight on anything your base care, well, Steve, he just stopped Merrick Garland from getting on the Supreme Court. That was a survival mechanism. If Ditch McConnell lets Merrick Garland replace Antonin Scalia on the Supreme Court, the entire canard of vote Republican for better justices, which is the last remaining thread that has the vast majority of us voting GOP, that gets blown out of the water. That was the salvation of his gravy train. That's why he determined to fight on that and fights on nothing else. Nothing else. That wasn't out of character for him. It was actually in character. He was saving his own scam. Life is much harder for them in the majority. They're not going to fight on anything you care about. They won't do anything that will rein in the size, scope of coercive government power with the power that they have, even even without the presidency, the power of the purse. They won't do anything to shut the government down because they've got a gravy train that they want to keep going as well. This is what electable means. This is why Mehmet Oz was electable and Kathy Barnett was not. Mehmet Oz will vote for Mitch McConnell for majority leader. Kathy Barnett won't. That's what electable means. I have told you for years, please, maybe finally after 10 years of this, you'll listen now. People like Mitch McConnell would rather lose to Democrats than lose control of the party to you. He wants Mark Kelly in the Senate more than Blake Masters. I promise you. That's not a lament. That's not a hot take. It's the cold-blooded truth. This is why they come after people like us in primaries harder than they come after them in generals. They're not doing this for the same reasons that you are. Not by a long shot. Which brings us to Ron DeSantis. DeSantis is running right now a national campaign. He is going out of state. He is promoting candidates in other states. And he is smart to do so. Even though it's going to seem counterintuitive, it is smart for him to do this, even though Trump's stock with the base is higher than it probably has been since he left office right now. Which, of course, means the odds that Ron DeSantis could defeat him in a primary head-to-head right now are not very high. So then why would I suggest that he do this? Because it goes to the MSNBC clip that Aaron played in his montage. Where one of their crazed contributors said that she thinks Democrats are unhappy because they're concerned that the overall failures of the Biden regime will lead to Trump returning to power. What's happening right now, I mean, DeSantis even said over the weekend that they lied to us about the mRNA shots. Dude's just tagging and bagging shibboleths at this point. But, but you don't hear a lot about this because the entire focus is on stopping Donald Trump from running. So if you're Ron DeSantis, you lose nothing here. 
They are going to do whatever they can, and I mean whatever they can, to stop Donald Trump from being qualified to be on a ballot in 2024. Throw in the fact he'll be pushing 80. And if you're Ron DeSantis, this is actually very smart. You've already won your reelect. We're just going to count the score at the end. So just prepare yourself as a national figure now. Should either nature, given Trump's age, or the swamp, given how much it hates him, intervene so that he cannot run again, you're already there. You've already established a national presence. You've already established yourself on a national scale from a name ID standpoint, name ID standpoint organizationally. You can step in day one. And, and you have taken all these positions that more endear you to the base ideologically than where Trump is right now, frankly. But you have been able to take them without any blowback from the media at all. If it weren't for Donald Trump, I'm telling you, the lead story on the news would be Ron DeSantis trying to kill people with vaccine hesitancy, questioning the mRNA shots. That would be the lead. That would have been the lead story you would have heard over the weekend. If, if Donald Trump did not exist. So this creates all kinds of room for Ron DeSantis to just riff now if he wants, because he, he loses nothing. If they can't keep Trump off the ballot, we, he can't beat him at this point anyway, so he didn't lose anything. But if they do keep Trump off the ballot, or for nature reasons, at pushing 80 years old, he can't run. You've just cleared out, you've, you, have, you have built up this in, immense amount of capital with the GOP base without the typical media blowback that goes along with doing that. It's a win-win. You don't lose one way or the other. And I promise you, they will do whatever they possibly can to keep Trump off the ballot. And so I hope he's got a better response this time than the Jared Kushner's of the world, better advice than the Jared Kushner's telling Scott Atlas, don't rock the boat. Um, and he's got something bigger and better up his sleeve other than the 47 emails he sent out for Jared Kushner's book in the last like 10 minutes. Because they're going, they're going to the mattresses here. They're going to do whatever they can to stop him from getting on the ballot. And the more popular that makes him with you, the more vicious they will then get in response. Because this is not really about him. It is about you. Gentlemen, your thoughts. That, that being said, these two stories connect nicely to me. If it's really about you, what in the Senate, what, look at Mitch McConnell. How old is, speaking of old, how old is Mitch McConnell? I will look that up, but he's got to be pushing 82. But yeah. What, why isn't somebody... Uh, he's and, 80 right now. Yeah. Why isn't somebody on the Republican side of the Senate responding to that as this is simply unacceptable? Yeah, well, I mean, what are guys like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul Why? doing for some future presidential run that's never going to come? They ought to be rounding people. They, they should be taking Trump's comments about that, yes. that, that McConnell's that has been political hack, which is dead on the money correct. They should be taking those comments and, and starting to figure out which one of these two, which one of us is going to topple this guy yes. when, when, when Trump, you know, which, which one of us will, will Trump anoint to topple this guy next year? That's what they ought to be doing instead. Especially since the Ditch, he kind of mumbled it, but the last thing he said is he, 
He said, oh, a lot of it has to do with the quality of our candidates. Yeah. He's just, and we know that increasingly the quality of our candidates is actually reflecting the will of the base. He's telling you he hates all of you. Mm-hmm. And like, what, again. A high quality candidate yeah. in his mind is Mehmet Oz. Yes. Yeah. So you're just going to take that? Everybody over there? Luther Strange in it? Alabama. Yeah. That's a high quality candidate. To Mitch Low McConnell. quality candidate. Blake Masters. Yes. Definitely J.D. Vance. Yep. Absolutely. You bet. I think both those guys will win, by the way. So I don't like there's what, Mitch McConnell. You, none, nobody who actually cares about the long term survival of the check, short term survival of this country owes ditch a damn thing. If you think you do, get the hell out. Yeah, no, perfect example of that. A back and forth you had on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, the 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 perfect the perfect oh, with picture. The McConnell flack, Josh. Yeah, Holmes? I've never yeah. heard of that guy before. Neither did I. I didn't uh, know he was. I, I the perfect picture of the swamp. He comes at you saying your criticism of of McConnell, you know, uh, doesn't fit your audience's narrative. Then he has the uh, he has the chutzpah to say that because of. I don't know some some mysterious mysterious ethereal accomplishments Mitch McConnell has in this in the Senate. He says people like you should be writing us bleeping thank you notes. Mm-hmm. That's how the swamp thinks. Mm-hmm. Okay, tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine. Send us a bleeping thank you note. He said that was the most important issue in the world. Yeah, yeah. Tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine. Send us a bleeping thank you note. Um, we're going going to kowtow on on gun control. Send us a bleeping thank you note. Yep. That's how these people bleeping think. They have contempt for you. Get that in your head. The next time you go to the ballot box, most of the people with R's after their name hate your guts, but they still want a thank you note from you. Well said. And even if you think the judicial appointments is where McConnell spent all his capital, I reject the premise that we couldn't have found someone that wouldn't have given in on all these other things and been good on judicial Mm -hmm. appointments at the same time. So you're wrong or a liar, no matter which approach you attempt. Across the country, Americans are discovering if we really want to change the course of things, it's going to require a change in the way that the marketplace works. Because a lot, like we saw with the jab mandates, a lot of what is working against us actually may come from government, but it is imposed, enforced, and encouraged and subsidized by woke corporate America, which seeks to divide us, big banks seizing your assets and accounts of people they disagree with their views, T-Mobile saying, hey, if you don't, we don't like what you're texting about COVID, we'll delete your text messages, uh, woke entertainment, another Marvel series that no one will watch that's highly rated, uh, with, with, with She-Hulk now, followed by which was preceded by Miss Marvel, and on and on and on and on it goes. So how about supply chains that are... Um, uh, dependent upon countries actively working against our values, right? This is why you're looking for the app, Public SQ, which stands for Public Square. Uh, It's the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses, at least they're trying to become anyway, that the nation has ever seen. Able, it's the first app to help you connect with freedom-loving Americans within a local community and the businesses that share your values. And now it's available and it's uh, 
expanded to all 50 states. So get the app today from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store for your Android. Create an account, begin your search. You can also list your business there for free so your local community can find you today. Get the app today at publicsq.com. That's publicsq. Get that app today. PublicSQ. Download it today from the Apple Store or the Google Play Store for Public Square, Public SQ. Speaking of the alternative economy, one of the cooler, most entrepreneurial, and it looks like explosively successful efforts to create that alternative economy is happening right here uh, within our own ecosystem. Eric July is a Blaze TV contributor. We welcome him to the program here today. And Eric, it is a pleasure, brother, to have you with us. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. I'm glad to be on, man. This is a long time coming. It is long. It's It's been too long, in fact. We've done a couple of nice roundtables together on the news and why it matters, so it's good to have you here one-on-one. And you and I have a few things in common. One of them is uh, we are nerds. Uh, we come out of the comic book world. I literally taught myself how to read watching Spider-Man on the Electric Company as a kid and and reading comic books as a kid. All right. So I'm into the fanboy stuff and I keep up with all that stuff. My wife has told me for years if she had not had all three of my children, she'd swear I'm still a virgin. Okay. Uh, because I'm just a fountain of useless fanboy nerd information. Right. So you and I have that in common and yes. you and, and, and you've heard the cries and pleas from the people uh, why are you destroying our heroes? Why are you destroying our myths? Why are you doing these things? Why have you turned these into nihilistic enterprises? You decided to do something about it, Eric. Tell us about that. Yes, I've been in this space for a, a, a long time. I mean, just like yourself growing up, this has been sort of my little industry um, and what I paid attention to, what I've con consumed uh, up till, of course, now. And, you know, me being a commentator in this space has, I mean, and a customer as well, obviously, it, it's been something to watch to see a lot of, as you mentioned, the heroes just be ran into the absolute ground because there's a lot of people, not just with leadership, but of course, the actual writers who probably have no business writing this material. Um, they aren't any good, but they are led by their personal social views, which are often antithetical to certainly what we believe in, uh, what what liberty is about. But more importantly, what those characters are that they are writing, because that social view that they have is above all else. So being in that commentary space for as long as I had been in it, I was like, you know what? Now's the time to actually do something in, about this issue that it is that I see. Yes, I always wanted to be in this space as a writer, but I thought that that was something that I wasn't going to be able to accomplish until I was older. But with the growth that we've had and uh, the, the incentivizing that we've certainly seen, it was the perfect time to do it. And with us launching the pre-order campaign for ISOM issue number one, it has been God sent, man, and it just really reassured because I took a huge risk doing this. And it, it, the audience reassured that this was something that not only that I should have done and I should keep doing, but I probably should have got in on this a lot earlier. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of what you guys have accomplished here, let's, let's have a, let's address one more big picture point, because there's going to be somebody in this audience that in, in, in some context, they're not necessarily incorrect, saying you guys certainly don't look like spring chickens. Why are men your age sitting around talking about comic books and their importance? And I, and I just think that we have to recognize that it is not on purpose. The kinds of cultural elements that you described looked to infiltrate 
these publishing houses at places like Marvel and DC and run these heroes into the ground. They are our Superman is our generation's Paul Bunyan, right? Yes. Batman is our generation's Dick Tracy. Right. So they've been these are myths and legends. They've had different names throughout different periods of time in American history. And they're in every generation or several generations may have them in common or they may uh, move on and and, and take on different caricatures. But often the same kinds of values are articulated in these fictional settings that do help inspire human nature to do better, to rise above its most craven instincts. And that's why they are being targeted. The same elements that are saying we're going to chest bind your daughters and castrate your sons in the government schools without you knowing about it. And if you don't like it, we'll try to take your kids away from you are the same elements that are infiltrating these storytelling places. So there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere for the imagination to go. There's nowhere for it to be inspired to do better or to be something higher. Instead, the, the implication is this is the dominant thought process. So comply or die. That's exactly what it is. And I know there's been people, I'm glad you touched up on that because there's always going to be those individuals that they don't really know. They're not in the know. So they look at it like, well, this is a meaning, meaningful kind of demographic or a, a meaningful kind of subgenre or industry or anything like that. And I think it's actually really silly to consider definitely over the last decade, the billion dollar movies that have been pumped out um, by some of these entities have all been for the most part comic book based. Mm-hmm. And you're, you hit it, you hit it right just it's perfect that they see it as something very useful to you so even if you don't see it if you want to ignore it and say that it's not there the reason why they see it as a significant thing to infiltrate because that's exactly what it is they get the current generation they get the uh upcoming let's say younger let's say generation um as well and appealing to them and it's also about of course tearing down what was meaningful to the people that they despise um so much like you you with with Superman and with a Batman, I say this all the time, how they're a part of like American culture. Like they, they've obviously transcend just simple uh, comic book stuff, despite them being there and, and, and originating there. People that know Batman and know of Superman, know of their values, probably a lot of them have not ever, ever read a book, right? Though that's of course where, where it came from. And there's something that this means to a so much, so many other folks, it's almost our version kind of a mythology and where, where, where imagination and all that stuff sort of goal goes. This is a fabric, you know, part of the fabric of what this this country certainly is or what this this culture certainly is. And they target that uh, subverted whatever terminology you certainly want to use. And it's very purposeful. So when folks go look to some place, especially to escape, they look at it like, no. You will never get away from us. This is what we need you mm-hmm. to believe. This is what we have to have you to believe in order for our, our ideals to to spread in the way that they need it to. They have to have all pockets of, of basically every single uh, uh, culture and entertainment in a lot of cases is what they lead with. They don't lead with the ideas. They don't have the ideas. Their ideas are terrible. And I would argue that they understand that, but they don't need to have the best ideas if they can just get hold of things that people look to mm-hmm. and, and, and care about and then use that as their vehicle. Amen. They understand we don't have to have the best I- ideas at all. Amen. And it's just classic Marxist agate prop. And then the other factor is these are one of the these are one of the few places left where people of different values 
uh, or belief systems could commonly enjoy or be inspired by something. And the kinds of cultural elements, they don't want anything that's in a neutral space. Everything has to be enforcing the narrative of the regime or it must be taken out. There are no, you you will not have any safe, quote unquote, safe spaces anymore. Everything has to be a battlefield. So you guys decided to stop cursing the darkness and light a candle, basically. And you did this with the help of a, a really a groundswell populist entrepreneurial effort. Give us the details. Yeah, this was, I spent $0 on advertisement to put this into perspective uh, for everybody out there. This was about as organic of a, a, a glow up as you're ever going to see. Like, and I'm not saying this to hype myself up. I'm just, I'm a, hopefully this inspires other people to do the exact same uh, thing and maybe not in the comic book industry, uh, but any industry certainly for that matter. And that, we provided an alternative to people to something that they enjoy, love, wanted to get into maybe um, a- as well. And what we did was say, hey, and I did, I said, you know what, I'm going to invest my own money to make this happen. I'm going to get something that that looks good. You know what I mean? Like this book is a good it's a good looking book. It's a it, it feels uh, good. The quality's good. It's American printed uh, and all of that. And this was something that that I, I, I cared about. I said, I'm going to do it the right way. And I know I can present it in a way that people are going to want to get in on it. I lay it with the story. I lay it with my code of ethics that we have that's on that's in every single book that we put out that's on our on our website so people can see exactly where we're we're at. That's all that we did. You know what I mean? I got the best, some of the best guys in the business, of course, with Cliff Richards and Gabe El Taib to help out with the, the of course doing the artwork for the interiors with the pencil ink and the, and the colorist. Like we, we it was a, it was a great team, great tandem uh, that we kind of brought everything together. We said, you know, we're going to be part of the solution here and for the audience to respond, because even I want to be clear, I didn't think that it was going to I knew it was going to be successful. But to this degree, you would have told me three point four million dollars. Like I was like, no, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that in, in that in three months. There's I could have thought about this 50 different ways, 50,000 different ways, and I would have never figured out how to do that. It just really goes to show that this market does exist. But more importantly, that someone can compete with these guys to put this into context for, for the audience out there. We have accounted for over 50,000. We have for over 40,000 total purchases. There's over 50,000 total books that have been accounted for. It's a collector's deal. Some people get more than, of course, one book. This will be considered a graphic novel because of how it's built. It's 96 pages or whatnot. Mm-hmm. According to Diamond, uh, according to, uh, to to them and Comicron and ICV2, they keep up with the numbers uh, for the North American sales. We have more than doubled the top uh, a graphic novel, superhero graphic novel in the country from last year, from 2021. We wow. more than doubled it. So this guy who just just had an idea, you know, made it happen, is competing, being competitive with actually doing better than what the big dogs are doing, and they've had a stranglehold on this market for 80 years. You know, so it can be done, and. I remember hearing so many folks, even I don't know if they were trying to talk me down from doing it, but trying to say, hey, you can't really compete. It's not realistic for better or worse, if they had good intentions or bad intentions. But what this showed is that it absolutely can can and will be done. If people in our audience, Eric, want to purchase a copy, want to support these efforts, how can they do that? 
You can visit Ripperverse.com. Um, we have our own store. We're doing our own distribution as well. Um, Ripperverse.com. You can still get in on the pre-order, though some of the covers are sold out. You can still get in on the pre-order for cover C for the first book of, for Isom, uh, number one. It's a story. You can read on a synopsis. You can see our trailer to get more information on the actual story, which is the most um, important there. And I think it's something that you can be intrigued by. So if you visit Ripperverse.com, uh, you can pre-order. We're going to start fulfillment going into this next month. So you'll be getting your books um, very soon. And there's all sorts of cool items that you can get as well. Merchandise, hats, shirts, trading cards, all kinds of cool stuff. Just visit Ripperverse.com. This is one of the cool success stories of the year, brother. And what I love about it, I, I remember when The Passion came out 10 or 20, or 20 years ago. And no one would carry Mel's movie. He, he financed it himself. He distributed it himself. $30 million out of his own pocket, and it made $300 million, okay, in 2004 dollars. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, they're going to see the market for this, and they're going to bring back the old Bible epics from the 50s, right? Like Ben-Hur and the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And they didn't do that. Instead, they, they, they Hollywood actually tried to produce Agate Prop, uh, Russell Crowe as Noah, and he's basically Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Uh, you know, Moses is bipolar and doesn't know yep. if, if he's talking to God or not and God's an eight-year-old spoiled kid. They didn't do that at all, okay? They, they, it was clearly demonstrated there was a market for this content and they wantonly chosen not to exploit it. You're calling that bluff, uh, similarly, you're calling that bluff here. As we get another Marvel series that gets 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, like no one's gonna watch, which just happened with Miss Marvel, that's going to happen with She-Hulk again. You're calling their bluff, Eric. You're showing that it's not that they don't know what they are doing or they just got dumb all of a sudden, okay? It's it's that this is an agenda, and you're pointing out that they are forsaking an obvious market here that you were able to lucratively tap into, even with, as you put it, limited resources by comparison to them. That's what it was about. I mean, and and I hope that inspires so many people to just give it a shot. There's a lot of talented people that are in our not only just our corner of the Internet, but just out there. Um, I gotten a lot of positive feedback from people that are in the industry, unfortunately, still trying to cater to Marvel and DC are still trying to do work for them. And they're like, man, we know something is wrong. It's we're, they have you on our on the radar. Um, this has been insane. And that's exactly what what it was that we were trying to do. It's like I saw it. I know that there the market's there let's give it a shot let's give it a shot audience caught us they said they wanted it we showed them and that's the important part about it this is why for me it's not a get rich uh quick scheme that's mm -hmm. not what this is about we're reinvesting all the money i don't have any external investors or anything like that so we're reinvesting most of the money to to make more books you know we got a lot of stuff on the way and i'm hoping that other folks in this industry and other subgenres throughout the uh, the entertainment and in, within uh, publishing and comic books and and, and and novels and all that, you guys see that and you say, hmm, well, I don't have to sell my soul to these guys. Right. I don't have to give off everything to these guys. There is a true market, certainly uh, 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 for this. And that's, I think, what they're probably scared of the most yep. because folks are realizing it. You know, like folks are seeing this and folks will start paying attention and that will inspire others others to maybe even do better than what I was doing in, in the comic books. That's what they do not want. I, I, and I know that that's the case because despite us, you, you mentioned we do stuff, we talk about controversial things every now and then on The Blaze. I've gotten 
the most backlash that I've ever received in, in, in anything that I've ever done by simply just starting my own company. Yeah. Company. You, this is what happens when you, when you slay the shibboleths of the damned. Again, here's the website, Ripa, R-I-P-P-A verse, ripaverse.com. R-I-P-P-A, ripaverse.com is where you can go. It's an excellent product too. And that's the key. Eric, it's been great, man. Wish you well. And let's do it again. All right. God bless. Take care. Much love. All right, we'll come back. Hour two, fake news or not, lies, damn lies, and the current state of public polling. We will get into that here in just a few moments. Stay tuned. And greetings. Back with hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and, and all of you. And you, of course, can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox by emailing us, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow us at Steve Day Show on Twitter and Getter. Look for clips of the show free of censorship and free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And we are up on Truth Social as well at Real Steve Dace, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. Those of you that are podcast listeners, thank you so much for being one of those. Please leave us a five star review if you don't mind. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe or follow because those things help to improve our ever-improving iTunes ranking, which also improves our job prospects. So thank you very much for each and every one of those. Uh, If you've got a question, our next Ask Me Anything is coming up on Monday, the 29th. If you've got a question you'd like to have considered, uh, drop it in to your new five-star review, and it'll go to the front of the line for consideration by Todd for that next Ask Me Anything. Fake news or not, brought to you by Patriot Mobile. We've been talking a lot already today on the show about the alternative economy that we need. Outlets to stop funding our enemies, if that's possible. It's There are still not a lot of places yet that we can do business with that we don't have to encounter that. But one of them that does, and it happens to be a product that we all happen to need, is with our mobile phones. Make the switch like my family made last fall. We made the switch to Patreon Mobile. We thought, hey, we're going to lose signal strength. No, I pretty much got the exact same um, signal that I got from T-Mobile anywhere I got around the country. Pretty much the exact same signal map. Oh, it's going to be a big hassle. You have multiple lines. They made it as simple and easy as possible. They do great work. And if you did great work as a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch And because they're actually a pro-America, American mobile phone company, they'll give you bigger discounts as a way of saying thank you for your service. For everybody else, you can get a free activation if you use my name, Steve, as the promo code when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Again, head to patriotmobile.com slash Steve or call them at 972-PATRIOT. So for fake news or not, I I saw over the last few days another round, another spate of polling, another group of things that seemingly cannot be true, that somehow Ron DeSantis is going to win Hispanics in Florida by double digits. He's going to win independence in Florida by double digits, but he's only going to win the general election by seven points. These things are just... I mean, I, I can't see the future. I don't know if he'll win by four points, 14. I don't know. I just know that he won't be winning by only seven points if he's winning Hispanics and independence by double digits. I just know that, right? The math doesn't work. And I get emails from you guys all the time. 
hey, I listen to this show and they're and all they do is talk about the polls and they buy into every polling narrative. Can I want to email them? What do I send them? Or, or you know, I listen to that show or I watch this program or I'm listening to this podcast and and they just break these polls down like they're gospel. Yeah, I, I I'm not omnipotent. I cannot be everywhere. And frankly, you don't want me to be. <laughs> all right, but what I can do is give you, like we've done with COVID and pretty much everything else we try to do on this show, give you the tools to wage war on yourself. By yourself, I should say, not on yourself, my bad. Uh, Give you the tools to wage war by yourself, that you know how to respond, you know how to correct, all right? And that's what we try to do here. We try to equip you guys to do the work of citizenship as best we can. So for fake news or not, I want to walk you through the last cycle of polling performance in America. And this is important to note because I would have said prior to Trump, and I probably would have said prior to even the last cycle, that for whatever reason, you know, the infamous Florida recount and the exit polling that came out of that and that debacle, from that election cycle onward, even though the media was getting increasingly liberally biased, polling remained actually pretty accurate. And when I say polling, let's clarify, I'm never talking about issue polling. I have told you throughout my career, don't believe any of their issue polls. They're all push polls. Even if they're honest, the question is a push poll, meaning that they they won't, you know, CBS News is not going to do a poll. NBC's News is not going to do a poll when they ask you the question, do you think poor, unsuspecting Christian business owners should be put out of business because they won't bake a cake for homosexuals? They're going to ask that question? No, they're not going to ask that question. What they're going to ask is, don't you think these tyrannical and oppressive and racist Christians should be put out of business for uh, failing to uh, acknowledge that love is love? That's how they're going to frame the question. So don't ever believe like any of their issue polling, like at all. You can sometimes when it, when it's so bad that it goes against their own narrative, know that it's even worse than what they tell you. But you should never really do a lot of deep analysis of issue polling. And we don't really do that on this show like ever because it's just a scam. So when I say that their polling had actually been fairly accurate and honest for about 20 years, I was, I'm talking about horse race polling. That's what I'm talking about. The outcome of elections. Why? What's the difference? And I I don't, I I think it's for whatever reason, I don't know why. I wonder if it's because, is that lucrative enough as a singular entity that they just kind of left that one alone? That they thought there's some place that we need to have credibility. Right. And it, and it, because it feeds into their narrative, we we push our we, we use our biased media sources to drive issues to a to an outcome in an election. And so we can afford, therefore, since we have so slanted the deck in favor of the outcome we want, we can afford to do honest horse race polling because we already laid the groundwork to get the outcome that we wanted. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. OK, um, whatever the, re- the reason or rationales were at the time, that's all out the window in the Trump era. There's no, there no longer is a moat around the public polling industry, which I'm about to show you the data. The, the, there is no moat of, or even eroding moat, of, of credibility. The ground is gone. That ground is gone. They just work hand in hand now with the narrative. And, and that's another thing that the system allowed Trump to break them. 
to the point of we're just going to lie even in what we pull now. And I'm going to walk you through the data that proves this. I want to start with what's been the most accurate poll of them all my entire career. Because, as the good book says, there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. So it only makes sense that something like the Real Clear Politics polling average, which on average has been about 16 of the most public, 16 to 20 of the most publicly recognized polls, that if you aggregate them, you know, you'll overcome the most biased ones on either side and, and come to a pretty good median number. And if you look at the RCP average over the years, it's been pretty accurate about what the general election outcome is. Until we got to 2020. In 2020, the Real Clear Politics polling average goes back to the year 2000, so the last 20 years. In 2020, the RCP average for the first time ever was off outside the margin of error, 4.1 points. The next closest it had ever been to being off was it was off by 3.2 points in Obama's re-election year of 2012, but that was still within a margin of error. This is the first time ever in the history of the Real Clear Politics polling average that the RCP average was off outside of the margin for error. Do you know how many polls need to be wrong for a mass aggregator of polls to be wrong outside the margin for error? I will answer that for you. Almost all of them, actually. <laughs> Almost all of them is what that takes. And as I'm about to show you, Almost all of them were. Here is where the final national poll polls were. In order of worst to first, in comparison to what the actual, well, claimed election outcome was in 2020. CNN was off by 8.9 points. Like, not even in the universe like like they pulled a different earth how's your big lie now jake tapper npr 8.9 points usc which was one of the most accurate polls of 2016 usc was one of the few that got the hidden trump vote right in 2016 this is a great example of what i'm talking about we're not doing honest polling anymore we're just doing our narrative. USC went from one of the most accurate polls of 2016 to tied for the least accurate at 8.9 points. We're just doing our narrative. That's all. We're just doing our narrative. Some may cynically claim that you push this narrative so that you then have, when you steal an election, it doesn't seem as shocking because the polls had you winning anyway. I mean, you don't have to be really sinister and cynical to advance such a conspiracy theory right so we would dare not do that here let's continue on quinnipiac they're a dreadful poll they have been for years i don't think quinnipiac is biased or at least not recently so they've either been biased a long time or they just suck quinnipiac was off by 7.9 points do you know the amount of resources that go into these firms to be this far off CNBC was off by 6.9 points, same as their sister organization, the NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. That was one of the gold standard polls when we were growing up, Todd, right below a Gallup. 
was the NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. They were off by 6.9 points. YouGov, which has been a pioneer in the online polling space, off by 6.9 points. The New York Times, Siena College, off by 5.9 points. We're way outside margins of errors here, guys. Way outside margins of errors. Like 100%, 75%, 80% higher than the margin for error. Fox News, this is where you get unbiased polling, right? The unbiased polling that had Ron Johnson losing by five points in Wisconsin last week, right? That's about how much Fox News was off in the 2020 election, by the way. 4.9 points, Harris polling. They used to be in the BCS, remember that? (laughs) The Harris poll used to be part of, how did we determine the college football national championship game? The Harris poll was, they were off by 4.9 points. Survey USA, 4.9 points. USA Today, 4.9 points. Again, these are all off outside the margin for error. That is how many polls? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 of the 16 polls in the Real Clear Politics polling average in the 2020 election cycle were wrong outside the margin for error. Is that a lot? <laughs> Is that chronic? Is that systemic? Why, yes. Yes, it is. It's That's Tuesday. Because, and well, and hey, I can understand why they had such a difficult time pulling an environment when everybody was home all year. Everybody was home all year long. I can understand why it was difficult to accurately pull an environment where everybody was at home. Reuters off just outside the margin for error. So that's actually 13. They were off by 3.9 points. So... Now, these polls were off or within the margin for error, and that's about all you can ask for. All right, if you're within the margin for error, you're a good poll. All right, Rasmussen was off by 2.1 points. It was the only one that actually overestimated Trump's support. And it was also the most accurate national poll of 2016. Well, Steve, I thought Trafalgar was. Remember, Trafalgar doesn't do national horse race polling. They do state-by-state polling. And on that... They are the best there is. They don't do a national daily tracking poll. They don't do that at Trafalgar. So Rasmussen was off by 2.1 points. Emerson polling, which, by the way, nailed the Arizona governor's race. Remember, all the Arizona polls had Kari Lake winning by like mm-hmm. 7 to 10 points. And Emerson's final poll had it within a margin for error. They turned out to nail that poll. Okay, they turned out to nail the Arizona race. Emerson was only off by 1.9 points. Man, you'll take that. That's a, that's a, that's good. Investors Business Daily, which was the second most accurate poll of 2016, they were 0.9. Dude, that's sticking the landing. Okay, and so that just goes to show the investor class are like, dude, I just, I don't have time for your narrative. My money's at stake. Tell me the truth. <laughs> so maybe that's maybe that's where we all that IBD is maybe the only poll we look at from this time forward because the people with their money in the markets they got to know what the what the truth is. So IBD was the second most accurate of 2016 and it was tied for the most accurate of 2020. So there you go. Tied with and I got to tell you this one shocked me but hey. There's always a redheaded stepchild. If you had the hill as tied for the most accurate pollster of, 20, of 2020, given how biased of a news outlet that is, 
you win, man. Okay, you had Donald, and you had, and you had, you had Donald Trump appointing the justices that overturned Roe too. I'm gonna, I, you're picking my new lottery numbers. Maybe, you're just better at this. Maybe than they're me. outside their own margin of error. They were really shooting for ten, and they just suck at this. So <laughs> they, they missed they, the decimal point. Yes. They were going for ten point nine. Yes, and they got zero point nine. Yes. I feel you. Yes, but in all seriousness, Investors Business Daily, they've at least figured. I, who knows what their agenda is, but they know that their readership. Has, has plans to make. They need to really know what's going on, okay? Now, so that means coming out of this cycle, there were only four polls that were within their own margins for error out of the entire real clear politics polling average, only four. Final polls in the real clear politics polling average underestimated Trump's support by an average of 4.73 points, that's a full point bigger than their margin for error. In other words, remember all the hits I kept doing on Beck's show last year leading into the election, pointing out the metrics of these polls are fundamentally flawed. They're asserting things that cannot simultaneously be true, like the one I just pointed out about DeSantis in Florida. He might win by seven. He might. I don't know what will happen on election day. I just know he won't win by seven by winning uh, Hispanics and independence by double digits. That will not occur. I can promise you that won't happen. And none of the nine known realms will, is that, is that outcome remotely possible for all those things to simultaneously occur? Because this is also Ron DeSantis is Florida. So there won't be any ballot drop boxes. Okay. So that ain't happening. That's what I mean by fundamentally flawed. When you are simultaneously asserting things that cannot simultaneously be true. That's when you're fundamentally flawed. And when you're underestimating the support of an incumbent president by nearly five points, of more than a full point outside your margin for error, you are fundamentally flawed. You either, like a lot of the COVID data, really suck at this, or much more likely, you're really good at it, if you know what I'm saying, G. Picking up what I'm laying down? I do. Let's look at how bad they were in the battleground states. Arizona. Now, this is in comparison to what the RCP average was to what the outcome was. The RCP average had Arizona 0.9. Biden won at 0.5. So that's pretty good. Florida had Biden 0.9. Trump won it by 3.4. Georgia had Trump 0.1. It was Biden 0.2. Iowa had Trump 0.2. He won it by 8.2. Michigan, Biden, 4.2. He won it by 2.7. See, these numbers matter. Because that, like, let's just stop it and park it at Michigan for a second. I'm telling you, if I'm looking at where I'm going to spend money on a campaign in the last week. Well, Steve, the campaigns, you always say, have better numbers than we do. Yes, they do. I'm talking like super PACs and, and third-party organizations, right? It's a lot easier in a week and a half to move 2.4 than 4.2. Right, Mm -hmm. right, okay. That's where this kind of stuff really matters, is in creating self-fulfilling outcomes. In Nevada, they nailed it. Had Biden 2.4, he was plus 2.4. North Carolina, Trump 0.2, he won at 1.4. Ohio, Trump 0.1, he won at 8.2. You know, Ohio, it's never hotly contested. 
Yeah, what's 7.2 points between <laughs> No one knows how to poll yeah. Ohio. They, like, never poll Ohio in contested national races. I mean, what's seven points amongst friends, Aaron, yeah. as you were saying, right? Yes. Pennsylvania, Biden 1.2. He won it by 0.6. Texas had Trump 1.3. He won it by 5.8. Wisconsin had Biden plus 6.7. He won it by 0.7. Only one battleground state's polling overestimated Trump's support. That was in Georgia. And only one nailed it. That was in Nevada. The other nine all underestimated Trump's support by an average of 3.5 points, which is just around their collective margin for error. This is the second consecutive election that polling in Ohio and Wisconsin was the most off the mark among the battlegrounds. Huh. Gentlemen, I want to get your reaction to this data here after I tell the audience about our friends over at Eden Pure. If you've got smelly teenagers, smelly friends like my monthly poker game, or you just smell, whatever it might be, right? Try our friends over at Eden Pure with their proven oxy technology with their air purifiers. It's their thunderstorm air purifier. It is filterless, so you won't be spending an arm and a leg on filters forevermore. And it absolutely does the trick. I've gotten a couple more emails from people that said, yeah, we bought these and they were outstanding. You can get three units right now for under 200 bucks. So it's a three pack for under 200 bucks when you get it at EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code Steve3, you know, for the three pack. Use the code Steve3 at EdenPureDeals.com. Shipping is free, by the way, too, when you do this. So free shipping and a pack of three for under 200 bucks at EdenPureDeals.com. And the promo code for that offer is Steve3. All right, gentlemen, your thoughts on the polling data that I just laid out. Actually, you know what? I've got more, don't I? You do. I do. Let me share this, too. I forgot about that. My bad. All right, more. Look at some of this more recent data from interactive polls. Fox News polling overestimated Democrat support in 2020 in Arizona by almost 10 points, in Ohio by almost 10 points, in Florida by almost 10 points. This is the Fox News polling, guys. This is your last bastion of media. Correctness and fairness Michigan by seven points, Wisconsin by six, Nevada by six, Pennsylvania by six, nationally by almost five. That's Fox News' polling. By the way, who is one of the bigwigs in charge of Fox News' polling? Chris Steyerwalt, who just testified in, or used to be anyway, who just testified in front of the January 6th committee. And and winked as well. And winked while doing so, yeah. Mission accomplished, right? Or something like that. Next, watch this. How accurate were Fox News polls in Arizona and Wisconsin in 2020? Wisconsin, of the five polls that, 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 that Fox News ran of Wisconsin, Fox overstated Democratic support by an average of six and a half points. In Arizona, overstated Democratic support by an average of over nine point or nine and a half points. Let's continue. Generic congressional ballot RCP polling averages on August 7th. In 2014, they had Democrats 1.6. The actual result, Republicans 5.7, just a bit outside. In the two th- in, in 2020, it was Democrats 8.8. Actual result, Democrats 3.1. Currently, it is 0.1. Pollsters overstated Democratic support. So this is basically the entire industry. 
GOP 0.1. Yeah, yeah. GOP 0.1. Thank you. Pollsters overstated Democratic support in 2014 by over seven points and by over five points in 2020. I don't hold the, I don't do a lot with midterm polling because that's a harder electorate to identify because it's a smaller turnout. But there's no excuse to be that far off in a presidential election. I think we have one more, Aaron. Mm-hmm. One more. 538. You know, they're the honest people on the left. 538's polling average benefits in 2020, the polls they counted, benefited Democrats by over seven points. More than twice. More than twice the actual result. 538's polling average overstated Democratic support in 2020 by 4.2 points overall, which is pretty much the error margin from the Real Clear Politics polling average as well. So now that you've got a full look at this data, gentlemen, your thoughts? Well, another march through the institutions is complete. Steve, when I asked you open-endedly why the difference between the push polling on issues and the horse races, you know, I think if you apply Occam's razor, it's it's pretty easy. Uh, these folks know they are perpetrating a fraud. I agree. A fraud to rig federal elections. That's a crime. And they know in the past they couldn't get away with it. And they know now that they can. Who is going to hold them accountable? They felt that uh, not they who's going to hold them accountable and the consequences now in their mind as they fashion them are high enough i.e uh taking trump out because he's almost hitler this is it they they know that under previous standards there's there's simply no way i mean one one business one poll but all of us together it's obviously that we are just the crime families that have gotten together but now there's nobody, there's no Batman, there's no Superman, there's no Elliot Ness. Really, again, I've asked you this on multiple uh, issues before. When's the last time you remember somebody being held accountable in a way that really mattered, that ultimately changed the course of events, that was a line here and no further moment? It never happens. These people know that. Why wouldn't they lie to get what they want? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Why wouldn't they? There's no moral core here. They don't feel called to account on that front. So they'd be dumb if they didn't lie like this. Very well said. And you might be listening, as I do sometimes when we talk about polls, and might be a little bit confused. Well, how does the average person here... Uh, Democrat support overstated, you know, so-and-so leads the state of Wisconsin by 8.6 points. Oh, well, I was going to vote for the other guy. Now, I guess since he's going to win anyway, uh, I'll vote for that guy. That I mean, that happens a little bit. People want to vote for a winner. Uh, but this actually, I think the way to, 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 to think about this is I've said on numerous occasions, we're really lucky to have the data, the raw data that we've had about covid because I think the next time they try this, they're just going to make stuff up. I agree. Yep. And yeah. that's what this is. This yep. is making stuff up. Yep. Because the only thing that matters is the narrative. The only thing that matters is the narrative. If the final poll average going into an election is plus four for uh, Joe Blow, uh, Democrat, and the actual votes and ballots... 
are uh, only plus uh, two, or even he's behind, it's a lot easier to sell the narrative that, uh, yeah, we were just counting ballots at 3 a.m. to get back up to that average. Or, on the other hand, if there is a, 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 an upset in that race and Joe Blow Republican wins, well, obviously the election was rigged. Because all the polls showed Joe Blow Democrat mm -hmm. was was uh, leading. Correct. That's the real power here. It's not necessarily the I just want to vote for a winner thing. It is the all encompassing narrative that they can just conjure. Because as Todd just mentioned, they control all the institutions. The lie, as Todd also says, I'm just ripping you off now, Todd. The lie is the point. The lie exactly. is the point. And lie bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, right now, you're not allowed to say that uh, the election was stolen from Trump. It's going around all the times the Democrats in the past said yeah. their election was stolen. It doesn't. We're going to go right back to saying... It's in the MSNBC yeah, clip that Aaron yes, played, where they're yes. afraid Trump will come back and steal elections yeah. in 2022 and 2024. Yeah, and we're going to go back right again to talking about whatever serves their moment. And that's why, Steve, you're going you're gonna to be spending... The next couple of months doing nothing but pointing out impossibilities of polling like you just pointed out. It is out. not possible for Ron DeSantis to only win by seven, but win independents and Hispanics in Florida by double digits. I, I, not mathematically possible. And we're going to do that again and again in other states because they are purposely. It's not an accident. There's no way that will be an accident when you see it all over the place from state to state to state. They're going to pick the biggest lie they possibly can because they have to right now because of the reality of things that are going on. Mm -hmm. But again, it won't. Why wouldn't they? That's what you have to ask yourself. Why would you? Oh, they'll never come to that. They'll never do that. They'll never come to my house. They'll never take my guts. Why wouldn't they? The reason why I told Daniel Rise of the Fourth Reich will be the most important book I, have, I will ever write and have written is because if they ever do, is what Aaron just said, if they ever do something like they did with COVID again, we'll never be able to challenge it exactly. like they were able to this time. If we... I survive by using their own data. They'll just give us data. And so the only thing that'll all be made up and the only thing we'll be able to do is the projections that they'll say, well, that's misinformation. You have to be banned. That's where this is all going. And that's all their polling operation is. It's just all professional misinformation. It's intentional deception. had uh, my uh, my oldest daughter and her fiance over at the house on Sunday and he literally tried to call me out on rough greens he's like I hate talking about rough greens all the time man I mean are you guys you guys really give cap that stuff I mean is it like for real first time he stepped to you like that it is it is it is yeah and you know me I got the goods I got an entire drawer of rough greens because uh, our dog absolutely loves this stuff. It is the supplement for your pet for the same reasons we're taking so many supplements these days because a lot of the food we eat as people has been stripped of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients we need the most, or at least a good portion of them for mass distribution. They do the same thing with your pet's food now too. And that's why your pet needs rough grains. Uh, whether it's vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, one scoop mixed in with the food they already love will put a lot of that good stuff back into their diet. And you might be wondering, though, 
what if my dog doesn't like it or what if I don't see a change? The last thing I need to do is add another expenditure here in the let's go brand and economy and we're feeling you. That's why we give you the first 14 day Jumpstar bag for free. When you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, we do ask you to pay for the shipping because if you've got a few bucks invested, you're more likely to try it because uh, you don't want to waste it because now you're in, you're invested too because we think it's a good product. It'll be good for your pet. So get the 14-day Jumpstart bag for free right now at roughgreens.com. All you pay is the shipping or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG, R-U-F-F, 833-ROUGH-DOG. All right, let's wrap things up with Pop Culture Tuesday. And spoiler alert, I know this is a best-selling book and the movie's been out for several weeks, but just in case you've not yet seen the movie where the crawdads sing and you're planning on it, whether you're waiting for it to come out on a stream or you're going to go to the theater, count of three, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there is no way for us to have this conversation without spoiling it, okay? So three, two, one. One. All right. Now it's your fault. Okay. I must confess, I did not anticipate where the crawdad saying being the culture war topic of Pop Culture Tuesday on this show when I went and saw the movie over the weekend. But here we are. So as I said at the top of the program, there's kind of a mini tradition in our home. It's kind of unspoken, um, although after... Speaking it out loud, it'll probably become an official tradition in the home that usually mid to late August, right before football season starts, I take one for the team. And my wife's not a huge chick flick person, but she is still a chick. So she kind of likes them. And, you know, pick one that's out right now you want to see that I haven't seen, either it's a stream or it's a rental or in the theaters. And sometimes it works out. You know, the astronaut's wife wasn't too bad. Or The Time Traveler's Wife, I should say. The Time Traveler's Wife. Astronaut's Wife is a horror movie. That's actually pretty good. What Johnny Depp. I'm thinking of The Time Traveler's Wife. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, And then um, The Notebook is a really good movie. I'll admit it. Comfortable enough in my own masculinity to admit that. Have you seen that one, Todd? No. It's actually, if if you need to take one, that's a good one to take, actually. Okay. There's some others. Not good to take. Okay, but that's a good one to take. That's a good movie. That's a good story. So you're you're going into these things henceforth praying for subversive cultural content just to keep you stimulated? No, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. I did not anticipate this. In fact, I wasn't even anticipating this about halfway or more through the movie. It was only until we got to the end that I found several things a little problematic, right? So the, the story takes place um, in uh, the South, starts in the 1950s, rural Louisiana family, Dad's a war veteran. It's implied that he has some kind of PTSD or something. Um, uh, he's an alcoholic um, and he's very abusive. Family leaves uh, to get away from him, except for the youngest daughter. She chooses to stay. Doesn't The mom leaves on her own and then doesn't reconnect with her ever again. Other kids, the older kids, uh, she makes a decision to stay with dad rather than run off with them. And um, he ends up he ends up leaving her too. Actually, he ends up abandoning her too when she's something like, you know, I think a young teenager. So now she lives in this big old house in this rural area all by herself. Okay. And she tried going to school one day, got laughed at for showing up with no shoes, never went back, can't read or write, uh, just has a love for nature. And the title where the crawdads sing come from 
her older, one of her older brothers who tells her, Hey, if you know, if you're not coming with me, if you're staying here with the, with the old man, if he gets drunk, he gets abusive, just run and hide out to where the crawdads sang. That's where the title comes from. Okay. And she gets older. She's certainly not terrible to look at, catches the fancy of a couple of the, the more popular boys in the town. One of them is a, is a guy who's got a lot of the same scientific interests that she does and teaches her how to read, write, how to formally observe nature scientifically, because that's what he's getting ready to go to UNC Chapel Hill to do. Okay. And, um, um, the other is, you know, kind of your, he was the best quarterback the town's ever had and spoiled brat. And he turns out to not be a good guy. And it's at this point when this, when we, when the story gets into subversive material, the second guy I just mentioned, who's not a good guy, when she finally realizes he's, she's, he's been using her and lying to her, um, he tries to rape her. And she ends up defending herself by clubbing him in the head with a rock. Now, I believe rape is, it should be a capital offense. If she had killed him right there to defend herself, I'd have had no moral qualms about this whatsoever. Okay. But she ends up going on trial for his murder. He ends up disappearing. No trace of any blood or anything. Okay. He ends up disappearing later on and she has an alibi. The, the first boy who taught her how to read and write and encouraged her to publish her observational works, she finds a publisher for her work, pays her thousands of dollars for this book, plus um, royalty fees. And they and the first book is a tremendous success. They wanted to do another one. She goes out of town to meet with them. Uh, and so she has an ironclad alibi. And the prosecutor tries to allege that she chose a hotel that wasn't staying where the rest of the group was, but was close to the bus station so that she could jump on the bus in the middle of the night, come back, murder this boy, hide the evidence, and then get back to where she was going to Greenville uh, and, you know, out of way out of town, you know, which is just a preposterous thing. Right. And so all along, you believe that she is being framed. And one of the things that, um, was was missing was the boy had this necklace that I think I can I think it was something she gave him or made him was this necklace that he never ever went without and so the parents are convinced she murdered their boy because the necklace is gone and and throughout the entire movie you are led to believe that she has been falsely accused and she's eventually acquitted you find out at the end of the movie um, she ends up marrying the boy the first boy who comes back into her life. She, well, actually, she doesn't marry him. We're going to get to that point in a minute. Okay. She ends up being committed to this boy, the first boy. And on her deathbed, he's going, or after she dies, he's going through her belongings and finds embedded in one of her books, drawings of the boy that was murdered, her admitting that she murdered him um, and that she had taken the necklace. And she was okay with it because... This is just how female predators need to behave in the wild to survive. And that's her worldview. It's just a naturalistic worldview. The other boy that's a good guy asked her to marry him. She's like, we don't have to get married. Why do, why do we need to get married? They're like, don't get married in nature. We can just, you know, stay together. So this is your feminine, this is your female hero. Rejects marriage, never has any children. And lays out a pretty convoluted plot 
by which to, to, to commit premeditated murder. And frankly, it's that last point that I might have the least problem with because I can still maybe get to a place of some self-defense because this guy was a complete creeper. But no, I just went to a military funeral. I've known lots of soldiers that killed people. They had all kinds of regrets about it. And they would have thought their causes were 100% ironclad, morally justified. The idea that you just take a human life and it doesn't, on any level at all, taint you or make you question things or your own conscience. But it didn't hers. She just lied with impunity very effectively. And made no, this was no moral point. She like make this wasn't even a I am woman hear me roar. It was just, yeah, I just observed nature. Female predators often devour males for their own uh, ecosystem benefit. And I'm just doing the same thing. Who cares if your family never gets any justice or peace about what happened to their son or anything? Can you see why I might have, um, this might be a bit problematic? Yeah. Okay. We're, we've gone beyond this self-defense here to Black Widow kind of stuff. And with no conscience, no remorse, no children, no marriage. And so this is like the chick flick of the year based on a best-selling book. And the chick commits a fairly convoluted and involved detailed plot of premeditated killing. And rejects institutions like marriage and family. I mean, was this the Oprah book of the month? I'm guessing it was. And all in all behind a very sympathetic figure. She's very sympathetic. And the movie doesn't tell you what she, who she really is and what she really believes and what she's really capable of until you have sympathetically and completely bought into her sympathetically. And then at the end, it tells you. I found the movie subversive as hell, actually very subversive find out what Todd and Aaron thinks and Karen I know is emailing me right now I know Karen I got two words for you junk folder in these unprecedented times make sure you go into the real estate market Does anybody know what the interest rates are this week? I mean, they've been all over the place. Make sure you go in with an agent with a fully vetted track record of success. They can take you from the beginning to the close and to do so successfully. Where would you find such a person? The name of the website kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. We'll get you started there with agents who have long track records of success. The best sellers in their field. Often they come from the same audience right here as you. So they have the same values that you have. Get started at realestateagentsitrust.com. Provide us some basic info. Our team will contact you to make an introduction to one of our preferred agents. Just about anywhere you want to move to or get away from, they can help you. At realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts? Well, this notion of being a, a woman of nature... I find fascinating and it, it, they never can stay internally coherent. They don't care, but here's the problem regarding the marriage part of it, Steve, 
I can I can see a rejection of that and having us buy into nature because it's clearly uh, marriage has a revelatory mm-hmm. aspect of it mm-hmm. uh, with it. But uh, having children does not exclusively. This is where it all falls apart for me. You, you, there, if you were truly adhering uh, to uh, nature, you would have children. Mm-hmm. You, you, you may appreciate them differently, but you would spawn. There's nothing in nature. You want to talk survival of the fittest and all that stuff? You, you, you have to have the next generation. That's where it all falls apart for me. That's a lie. It would have been you. You would have had much harder time discussing this uh, along that premise that they are apparently anointing up. I am the natural woman. Hear me roar. Well, no, you're not because you made a sterile life for yourself. The animal kingdom, nature does not do that. Bella and I were just talking about something similar the other day uh, in in terms of uh, a natural what is natural and what is what is not and she she mentioned the phrase she works in labor and delivery now she mentioned the phrase uh moms have to research natural birth and it just hit me it's like you want to talk about how far we've fallen in terms of definitions of what's natural and what's what or the way our bodies were designed and what's not the fact that women have to research the way they they were actually naturally designed in order to learn about that just show, is indicative, I think, of kind of what you're um, or at least a tentacle of what you're talking about, Todd, because uh, we have we have drifted, drifted so far away from the center. In terms of what is real and what is true, not to mention good, true and beautiful, that even things the way we were naturally designed and things that are actually natural are foreign. And I think that's kind of mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're talking about here. Correct. And she found a guy who is and th- th- totally willing to indulge all of her predilections. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'll move, I'll live out on the marsh with you. I'll have no children. I'll devote my entire life to just whatever you want. I won't have any of my own ambitions or anything at all. I'll just serve your emotional needs and ask for basically nothing in return. I can't imagine at all why younger generations are having a hard time mating and finding spouses. Can you? It's a mystery shrouded in a puzzle wrapped within an enigma. Just I'm, I'm completely just flabbergasted at why I've got so many emails from young men and women struggling to find other young men and women to settle down, get married and mate with. I have no idea. Remember before the show when I told you I saw my first adult furry? <laughs> there you go. And remember when I asked you, what is that? I'm from Iowa. I don't know what that is. So, yeah, they're having trouble. All right. Speaking of marriage and family, some fascinating data along those lines came out over the weekend that really, maybe more than any other data point available right now, quantifies the current state of irreconcilable cultures living in America. And we are going to discuss that today. Uh, We're going to record the overtime. This show's done here in about a minute. We'll record the overtime for you, and that will be the topic. Make sure you don't miss it. BlazeTV.com slash Dace 
is where you'll be able to go later today to watch it after we upload it for you at blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber today. So you don't miss any of our exclusive content whatsoever at blazetv.com slash dace. That'll do it for us. Back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.